0: All right. Hey, Vinnie Fisher here. Good afternoon, everyone who's in watching us on Facebook Live. We love you guys. Hey, you know this show, The Total CEO. We are out there looking for CEOs who are doing what they do, and we want to dig into their world and find out what works. Inside their business and how their wisdom can help our community and today I've got a dear friend I've got Josh Cantwell the CEO of the strategic real estate coach and he's got this really killer investment fund we're going to talk about hey Josh thanks for being on the show bud
1: hey Ben thanks for having me it's uh, it's awesome to be on a show with you we've known each other for yeah 10 plus years now and I don't know that we've done one of these before so it's some honored to be here my friend
0: yeah, I'm, I, I've uh, I've got this great show, so I wanted to go back to the really cool rock stars in my life, and then say, hey, you want to come on here and talk about these really cool things you're doing? So, Josh, you and I were talking recently, and I was intrigued. You know, so before we get into some of those detailed questions, how about we get to know a good soundbite about the business life of Josh Cantwell? What do you do? Why don't you tell us a little bit?
1: Sure, sure. So uh, the the real short version is, I'm in real estate. I'm a real estate entrepreneur. So. I invest in real estate, Uh, I own rental properties, uh, commercial portfolios, all that kind of stuff, flip houses, do all that. That led me into teaching other investors. Um, So we own a publishing company where we do training, speaking, uh, coaching, and seminars. And then that led me into ultimately starting a real estate private equity fund where we manage money for passive investors. And out of that fund, we make additional investments and we also make loans now. So we're in this big sort of real estate ecosystem and uh, that's what we do. I spend all. All right, my-
0: really cool. So, well, by the way, my job to do is I can't help myself. I want to I hear some exciting, I'm gonna stop. I might even stop you mid sentence. Yeah. But you're used to that, right? We had For that sure. joke recently. All right. So, if here I am, a CEO. Remember, you got a bunch of CEOs listening to this. I've got money I want to invest. And, and your investment fund, if I want to not just be in the market, or in my case, you know, hedge down on all just small business and all these other things, another opportunity is for me to place money into a real estate portfolio? Talk to me a little bit about that.
1: Sure. So a lot of guys love the idea of real estate. Real estate's been on fire, really, other than the crash of 2008 9 You know, real estate now is becoming a larger and larger asset class, larger niche in a lot of people's portfolios. And the beautiful thing about real estate, especially on the debt side, as a lender, is that we can create fixed income mm. uh, investments where yeah. we make a loan, let's say we charge a couple of points up front, two, three, four points, and then uh, you know maybe 8% interest, 10% interest, 12% interest, whatever it is uh, on a real estate investment, you create almost like a, a bond with a high double digit fixed return where it has a coupon or an interest rate. It's really just the borrower making their payment. So the beautiful thing about it is a lot of people when they think of real estate they think I have to be an operator I have to buy properties I have to fix them I have to sell them I have to own them I have to manage it that's not what we are doing we are actually working with passive investors that want to be owners in a fund that owns the debt and the beautiful thing about the debt is as long as you have a good borrower uh, a good uh, operator of the real estate deal and they're making their monthly payments on the you create these portfolios of notes
0: nice create these
1: huge interest rates um, we're you know regular. So you
0: you become a another uh, option in my portfolio of investment, and exactly. the rate of returns are attractive. There, and some of the returns you're talking about are even above the market returns we're getting in our market fund or our Fidelity account or whatever a good thing Deb and I are in. But so these rates are even above some of that stuff.
1: Yeah, absolutely, I mean the the cheapest loan that we make, then to the give an idea, is two points and twelve percent interest and we charge a three-point extension fee uh, if it goes beyond six months. So you, it, Just real simple math, you take two points plus 12%, plus another three-point extension fee. If the deal takes a full year, that is a 17% fixed yield nice so one of the things
0: that I don't think people realize is that the reason you're able to structure these kind of things is because the way the banking industry has changed the real estate guys liquidity aside or not and good financials have a very hard time getting financed in this business is that right that's
1: exactly right especially for a property or a building that needs a lot of repairs banks really don't want to touch those types of buildings or properties so we're in that space of helping people with and renovation.
0: So let me ask you a question. So here we are. We're talking to CEOs. I, You may remember the story. One time I told that I, uh, I used to represent high net worth CEOs when I first came out as a lawyer and I did like work kind of like helping them on their financial planning. And it was amazing to me how us high net worth guys we're, were long in our stock of our company, our stock options, and we didn't have much diversification. So what the heck is it that happens to us that we're not because like, you see this now, since you are a diversification play, you're on that wall. What's happening right there, and how do you help someone overcome that lack of diversification in their portfolio?
1: Yeah, it's been a great question, huge question. I personally went through this with my own father, who was long in his business. He owned an employee benefits company, mm. and it turned out, my dad's not afraid for me to share this, it turned out to kind of be the nightmare story for a CEO, where you're long in your business, you own stock in your business, stock options, you're investing a lot of your profits back into your company. And then ultimately there's a triggering event that happens and your company's not worth what it used to be worth. And so uh, for, for my dad, it was Obamacare. It was it was, it was was him winding down his business and changes in the healthcare market. And all of a sudden he was like, oh crap, this, you know, that's my main asset. It's a huge position in my portfolio, probably 75, 80% of his net worth. So I watched that happen. And so. For me, it's all about taking chips off the table. Like you don't want to have everything that you do be based off of earning future profits in the one thing that you do. I think the smartest thing a CEO can do is take chips off the table and diversify. You know, 20- right, so can,
0: I, can I ask you a question about that? So like give me like let's put some skin on that. Like if you here I am. Like we're going to have CEOs who reach out to you. We'll We'll get to a point where… You know, because this is a live show, we we'll put links in here and all that good stuff, and we'll have people put that up for you. But um so, how, talk to me about that. Like, so when you say take chips off the table, like, sure. I, you talk to CEOs all the time. So, how do you help them get that first step? Like, what do they do to do some of this? You know, you got your your deferred retirement stuff. You know, all these things going on. So, give me like a couple tips you help someone with right away. Sure.
1: Yeah. So, first of all. You know, a lot of guys that are high net worth CEOs, when they Mm -hmm. might, depending on where they're taking their income from or what Mm -hmm. they're taking out of their business, instead of just reinvesting that stuff into their business or reinvesting it into the stock market portfolio, deferred compensation type of plans, you just got to realize that sometimes taking money off the table, which means taking the income out of the business, paying the taxes, and then investing it, whether it be into, uh, you know, S&P 500, uh, stock fund, mutual fund, just. For me, when it comes to dealing with high net worths and CEOs, it's not really then always about the return. Mm -hmm. It really becomes protection of principal and the lowest fees possible. So taking money off the table is really important. And what that basically means is take the money out of the business, pay the taxes, take the rest, and then invest that money into as many principal protection vehicles as possible. Bonds, of course, people have talked about. Uh, you know uh, blue chip stocks but for a lot of guys real estate becoming a bigger and bigger opportunity because there's all these alternate private equity funds private lenders things like that where somebody can just write a check and be in real estate. Without actually owning any real
0: yeah, estate, so I'm kind of wondering. I'm confused as to why we weren't hearing about this at the mastermind. But well, I guess I'll get off that subject for a second. Yeah, We're yeah, gonna hear about this because this is the. I, I don't think, want to all my friends. That's why. but what I'm here's it. the thing: like, we don't have. So when I set out to open a business, and all the other CEOs do, we do something. We're an expert. We're not thinking about diversification. We're not thinking about investment and other stuff we want to go long on our thing and so being educated gaining wisdom sometimes comes from getting our teeth kicked in and so right the crash of 08 was one good thing for me blowing a one of our well by two of our companies and learning that you know it's nice to have stuff hedged in other places so if we wanted to find out more about that how does someone find you
1: sure so uh, my main website is FreelandLending.com. That's our that's our private equity uh, website. My name
0: FreelandLending.com. Uh,
1: free like we're giving away free land. Free, it's free. Come have some. FreelandLending.com. And then our publishing business is StrategicRealEstateCoach.com. Um, you know, and if a CEO wants to get a hold of me directly, they can just email me directly at uh, jcantwell, at srecnow.com i mean I, i'd love to talk to other ceos all the time and they can just email me directly and i'll get in so touch with
0: one of the and we'll put all those up here for you here so everybody so you don't have to worry about josh repeating that three times for you but um so one of the i've noticed that as you mature in business one of the bigger assets you have is your deferred Dollars that you've put into like a 401k or an IRA. So if that's the bulk of the dollars I have, how do I deal with you if those were I have my money?
1: Yeah, yeah, great question. And I, I would, I would tell a lot of people think, well, why would I do real estate when I just stay in stocks, bonds, mutual funds? Let me tell you something. Forbes did an independent research study that found that the average American, whether they're CEOs, the average American earning fifty thousand a year, high net worth, whatever it is. If you're investing in mutual funds, the average mutual fund has a total expense in the fund of three point one four percent. Wow! On top of that, your average four hundred one k administrator charges another one point two to one point five percent. Now these are not my numbers; these are directly from Forbes. I hear you. So if you're investing in a four hundred one k and in funds or four hundred one k with an average, uh, you know, financial advisor, financial planner, you're overpaying for underperformance.
0: You know, it's funny, Josh, you say that because, you know, I, I i don't mean to pick on a friend of ours, Tony Robbins, but I went in and followed some of his Money Mastery stuff, and we had our team go track those four, and even those things, I think he, I, I don't know if he was misinformed or what it was, but even those had a whole bunch of fees in there that didn't actually play out the way his book talked about it. Sorry to, to yeah. that live on Facebook, but that's the reality of life. People don't realize all these fees that are buried inside of these uh, deferred plans, right? Is that what you're getting at? Absolutely,
1: exactly. So that's why I looked at real estate, why I've looked at other things to diversify. And so if somebody has a 401k or a SEP IRA, uh, you know, a 401k that they've rolled over to an IRA, what most people don't know is that there's this whole world of what's called self-directed IRAs. And there's whole businesses built around alternate investments where you can invest in venture capital, you can invest in Hmm. private equity, you can invest in real estate. So there's companies like iPlan Group and Equity Trust and Horizon Trust All these different businesses that are out there where people can roll their money out of working with a financial planner or a piece of it. It doesn't have to be all of it. And then they can self-direct those dollars into maybe buying rental properties, owning commercial buildings, owning real estate, private equity. And then there's the fees. There isn't the fees of the financial markets. All
0: right. So let me touch a sensitive little subject. So how do the financial guys do with that? Like, Because they're always afraid of losing some of the money under management, right? So how do you play nice there? yeah so <laughs> i didn't much. say they would all be easy questions yeah
1: well here's the thing only about five percent of all the financial advisors out there are true uh registered investment advisors or fiduciaries where they just get paid a, a usually a one percent fee or a
0: over uh, top of whatever it is a over everything, right? yeah. no matter what you do so
1: they can be a true independent third party advisor everybody else the other 95 percent of advisors are all getting paid some sort of commission management fee brokerage fee those guys don't like to see their clients move money other places because it just reduces their compensation, right? Compens- so that, that's a delicate
0: conversation that like kind of has to happen, right? Because the 401k administrator is not looking for you to file some paperwork to move it into a self-directed. The system is going to fight you a little bit, right? That's right.
1: That The 401k uh, administrators, the brokers, the financial planners, whatever you want to call them, they're all getting paid fees. So I don't want you to always do that. So
0: are, you, are you guys, am I, am I able to say this? Are you guys able, like if, I, if, I, if we had a friend, a CEO, are you able to kind of help talk through that so they understand the language behind that? Because that's part of the fight, right, is getting the financial guy to stop hating on the fact that this diversification is a good, good idea.
1: Yeah, ben, and I used to be a financial planner, so I know that side of the market. When I graduated from college, I got my Series 6 and all those licenses, yeah. life and health. I did that and I was a financial planner for six or eight years. I know exactly how those guys get paid. And then I gave up that to get into real estate and become a CEO. Um, so I understand that absolutely I can help the guys understand what they're dealing with. But look, man, if I, if I told you, we all know the success of small businesses is not great, right? Yeah. It's something like only 4% of businesses ever crack the million dollars of revenue mark.
0: Do you know that, all, and also to add to that stat, do you know that almost 90% of businesses don't make it to the 10th year?
1: Right, and we just celebrated our 10-year anniversary hey, this, this last month.
0: You're a 10-percenter.
1: Good job, 10 buddy. 10 so so if, if you knew that your business had a high chance of, of failure, and us as CEOs were constantly yep. trying to grow and you know, insulate ourselves from that failure, it just makes sense to constantly take chips off the table and diversify because ultimately what are we really building these businesses for? Right. Take care of our families, right? Take care of the people that we love. So if you know that you, there's something that could happen in your business totally unforeseen, an employee goes rogue, the market changes like it did for my father, so many things out of our control that although we are super confident in ourselves as CEOs the world just has a way of the market changing. And so or you could be I'm like me,
0: you could be a master at breaking a couple of your businesses and leave a whole or bunch You're real good at that. But no, exactly. No matter what the scenario is, that's real, right?
1: For, absolutely. Like, so even for me, I love real estate. I'm really good at it, but I don't have all my money in real estate. I've diversified my wife and I have a financial planner that we work with just to make sure that the money we want to put away for our kids, earning a return passive income just you know we just we don't diversification
0: right I mean you're, you're yeah. living I mean it would be weird at fully accountable if I didn't use my own software it'd be weird if you didn't right. diversify right you're the whole pitch about you is that you're saying it's like literally since you're heavy on real estate you have to find ways to diversify in other ways right that's a, that's I'm exactly heavy right. on stock of company I have to find other ways to diversify Got exactly
1: like I said my right. own father Uh, believed in his business so much he put all of his eggs in one basket and at the end of the day uh, he ended up with a lot less money than he thought he would so I've seen that firsthand
0: you know we got a good friend here at our church who uh, who had to who was heavy in just his 401k it was doing the dollars on his retirement and when he literally got his dollars cut in half during that bad market he's like holy cow I have to go back to work I'm done He's working to get all of that back to where it was so that he has a an income stream. I mean, how many of those stories can you and I sit here and tell one after another? And so I love it, Josh. All right. So there's another part to your business that I think there are, might be some of our CEOs listening. You know, I don't know what it is, but, you know, forget the stats about the uber wealthy and they all own, re, own real estate. Everyone's tempted to own some real estate, not just invest in it as a, as a, Portfolio plan. Like, give some advice about that. Like, what do you do it? Because there's that education side where people think they want to be involved. You know, do you have a strong opinion about that question?
1: Yeah. I, look, look, in order to be successful in real estate, you got to know the market. I mean, the, even just in Cleveland, the Greater Cleveland area, then where you and I are from, the market, the neighborhoods, the areas are so different. Yeah. So. If you wanna be an operator and be in it and be successful owning individual properties, commercial buildings, portfolio, that's great. But you're gonna to have to invest time. It's, it's, it, it, the time invested, the knowledge side, is gonna reduce your risk. So how much do you wanna reduce your risk by knowing the business yourself? That's the one question. The other question becomes if I don't wanna invest my time to reverse, you know, reduce my risk, I need to work with an operator who's running a fund or running a turnkey rental mm-hmm. business where I can just write a check. And then it becomes about the disclosures. And then you as an attorney, you know, you know, a good operator, whether it's a small business, whether it's real estate, whether it's some IPO that's gonna come out, whatever, you gotta know what's in the document, what's in the disclosure is really important. And the one thing that's uh, not great about the real estate business, then is there's a lot of operators out there that are hmm. not having real good disclosure documents. You can really separate the week from the chaff really quickly in real estate. If you wanna get involved in a fund, by just asking people for their disclosure documents and then mm. how they're written. The really good operators have really good disclosure docs. And then all the other guys who are sort of the junior varsity in real estate, they don't have those docs. And if they don't have good docs to show you, you're golden. Go on, move on to somebody else.
0: And so someone on your team could talk about that if that if someone raised their hand and wanted to know more about that, right?
1: Absolutely, we we'll take care of it. You know, in our world, it's called a private placement memorandum. For us, it's a 150-page document. Was drafted by you know a guy that you and I both know then uh, a really good securities attorney and and that's what you got to have because again it's all about reducing risk and getting responsible returns me personally I'd rather get a four or five percent return responsibly than a ten percent or a twelve percent return where there was a significant amount of risk to me, it's just all about incremental. Yeah, this
0: guy in my church, he would have loved that too, right? He would have way rather had that than the speculation all heavy in one part of the market. And so totally get that. All right, we're running out of the your time. I want to be respectful. I really do appreciate you coming on with us today. What, man? I love it. Great. Thanks for having me. You know, most of our uh, CEOs are talking usually about some... You know business stuff in like you know managing the growth of your team whatever so to have a diversification plan in place and talking about one of the worst parts of the leaky bucket that no one talks about i really it's good stuff man like it's painful to me to think about how much money i've lost in holding long on stock even though i broke the companies it's still painful to think about the dollars that could be sitting uh somewhere else how big is the how big are your funds now they're big aren't they well, we got right now about
1: $15 million under management, and uh, the, the existing funds that we have been are all what I called test funds. And what I meant was we wanted to prove our concept, and what we did was we had a, basically a friends and family offering.
0: Hmm. And
1: just now, in the past two months, have we uh, started to our fourth fund, Freeland Fund 4, and that fund is reserved exclusively for accredited investors. And now we're taking our message out to the public. So oh, over the last cool. few years, we've proven our concept. We've made a lot of successful investments. We've produced incredible double digit returns. And now we're to the point where we're really only seeking those high net worth investors, the CEOs, the, the people who can, uh, who can invest some substantial dollars and, and it gives them a diversification play. And the goal is, you know, get to uh, 25 million, then 50, then hundred million and uh, you know, so, and, uh, what's,
0: so if someone's accredited what how what, what's the uh, basic level or what can they get in at and like what's the uh, increments do you allow an in- accredited investor forgetting the details of what makes you accredited what do you let him into the fund at?
1: yeah starting uh, minimum investments a hundred thousand bucks
0: okay got it
1: and uh, they just you know anywhere from there up and uh, they just write the check and we do everything else
0: that's awesome dude all right uh, one more gift for our audience um, if you were going to give someone one tip cuz you have a big team and all that good stuff you know, right. what's kind of like in the season of life like what's a CEO hack right now that like you're it's working for you that you'd love to share with the audience
1: sure so for me I, I, and I don't know if this is going to resonate with everybody Vin, but I could tell you there's one tool simple tool that I use that I used and my business was running super smooth stopped using it I felt out of control and I started using it again this year. So for me, being a CEO, a lot of CEOs, big picture stuff, right? Big mm-hmm. visionaries. We have got a lot of stuff on our plates. For me, notepads don't work. Yeah. Uh, you know, base camp doesn't work. Uh, to do lists don't work. I need to see everything on one piece of paper. So I mind map my whole life like crazy. I use a free mind mapping tool that allows me to create all of the various Arms of my business uh-huh. from sales to marketing to operations and look at all the projects that are going on and I can see it all in one computer screen at one time and so for me to what be does able that do to do for you it, what it does for me even is it gives me first of all clarity of my own job today because as CEOs you know what we're doing we have to keep one or one and a half eyes on the business big picture yep. what's the future But sometimes you gotta get in the dirt and you gotta do stuff today that makes a difference today. And that might be the other eye or half an eye. So I gotta know what's my role within the business today to make the business move forward today. I gotta have my own to-do list today. And I gotta have the growth hack of what's going on in the future. That's really tough. There's not many people other than CEOs that can even identify with that problem. Most people, they just do their job. They do a good job of it, they make money and they go on to the next day for us. Don't worry about today, next month. So I got to see it all in one place. So for me, I take all the crap in my head, I put it all on a piece of paper, but then I organize it in a mind map that I can take with me, I can print it, I can open up certain parts. And then when people call me up and I ask hey, what's going on with this project? What's going on with that project? I can look at my own life, I can see it on one simple sheet of paper for me, that's what works, man. If I don't have that, I feel out of control, unorganized, and almost clueless about what I'm going to do the next day when I wake up.
0: All right. Josh Cantwell. Bud, thanks for being on the show. Hey, everybody. Listen, Vinnie Fisher here, the CEO of Fully Accountable, interviewing another total CEO. Have a great day.